and we're back at it here in the courtroom of current events on Peter's Proffer, and today we're going to be talking about mediation and arbitration. They're also known as alternative dispute resolution. So we've had a lot of questions about what happens at a mediation, who is a mediator, is it like a judge? We're going to go through all the specifics of what happens at mediation and arbitration and whether or not that's a good alternative to actually taking a case to court. So this is another listener question. Feel free to leave yours on our Facebook page, Peter's Proffer, or you can reach out to us on any social media platform at Tragos Law. You can always like and follow our pages for a chance to win Amazon gift cards, CPR certification classes for your company if you need it, and all sorts of giveaways that we do on social media. Uh, But for this week, just sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, so alternative dispute resolution. Today with me on the show is Pete Sardis, and we're going to talk about something that happens in almost every case, and that's mediation and or arbitration. So Pete, first, why don't you talk about what alternative dispute resolution resolution is and why we need it in some cases? Alternative dispute resolution really encompasses anything that is extrajudicial, meaning anything that resolves your claim outside of the court process. Um, I'll share with you in, at least in the, in the state of Florida, in most counties, the vast majority, and in federal courts, before you can ever go to trial, you've got to at least go through mediation. Right. So it's something that happens outside of the court process, and that's what the alternative is. It's an alternative to being in court in front of a judge or jury. So a lot of times there are these um, types of, of situations and processes like a mediation or an arbitration that are built into contracts. So what kinds of contracts, Pete, do you normally see these alternative dispute resolutions built into? You know, they're starting to creep up more and more, but we see alternative dispute resolution clauses in, for example, nursing home uh, cases where in order to become a resident of a nursing home, you have you don't have to, but there is an alternative dispute resolution section. There's case law that's specific to those. You see them a lot in like construction law. You see them a lot in um, employment. Like employment law cases, right? So, and they have, they're in a lot of employment law contracts, and it's just basically saying for any dispute that comes up in relationship to your employment, or if you're in a nursing home, if you're going to ever sue the nursing home, you have to do it through arbitration or mediation. You can't take it to court. You're waiving your right to go to court. So for an example, I pulled one from a contract from one of our cases that is, you know, we've generalized it a little bit, so it doesn't exactly show what who the clients are or anything like that, but it, it shows what the language actually sounds like. And it's a paragraph, and it's entitled Contract Disputes. All claims and or disputes between the parties arising, arising out of this agreement and or their relationship in any way shall be decided by negotiation, then mediation, and ultimately binding arbitration unless the parties otherwise mutually agree in writing. Mediation will be conducted in accordance with the commercial mediation rules of the American Arbitration Association. Notice of demand for mediation or arbitration shall be filed in writing with the other party and with the American Arbitration Association. All costs, including legal costs associated with the mediation and or arbitration, shall be paid by the person making the claim. Mediation shall take place in blank county, whatever county that you're signing this contract in. So that's kind of what the language talks about. So let's talk a little bit about each one of those things that comes up in the process. So at first, you have to try to negotiate it. 
That means something that's totally informal. You call the person on the phone before you sue them. You write them a letter. You make a demand of whatever amount of money you think they owe you, and you try to settle it that way first. If that doesn't work, then you have to go to mediation. This mediation is very similar to what's known in some of our cases that we have car accident cases, slip and fall cases, as a pre-suit mediation. So this mediation is something that happens before you ever get to court, before a judge is involved, before a jury is involved, nobody's ordering you to this mediation, you just agree to have this mediation. So Pete, when we talk about these kinds of mediations, what are the rules when you get to that mediation? You know, there really aren't a lot of rules when it comes to pre-suit mediation. It's uh, if it's not contractual, then it's voluntary. You're going to have a mediator, which is just a neutral party. Well, hold on. We're going to get into very specifically what a mediator is. Okay. But so you have to have a mediator, right. somebody that's a neutral party. And you kind of get together and hope that you can sit and, you know, and sit down and kind of resolve your differences. I will tell you, in my opinion, pre-suit mediation is rarely successful. Uh, right. It depends on the case. But yeah, it's, it's not the most successful way to handle mediation because... Both sides can make whatever threats they want. They can both say, this is how the case is going to turn out. Nobody's spent any money yet, so you can kind of puff out your chest and bluff at pre-suit mediation without really having any gauntlet falling down afterwards. We're going to get into court-ordered mediation later, which is much closer to trial, and you have a lot more of incentive to settle at that point. But pre-suit mediation is really before any what we call as discovery. We've done a podcast on what discovery is, but it's basically where you get the evidence in a case and you find out what's going on. When there's pre-suit mediation, there really hasn't been a lot of discovery yet. Unless you're in an area of law that specifically uh, requires a pre-suit mediation process like medical malpractice or uh, you know nursing home cases. That's right, actually certain built cases that, right. But most of the time, pre-suit mediation is just done at the very beginning stages of a case. So what is a benefit to having pre-suit mediation? A benefit is... If you and the other side are at least in agreement on some fundamental things that somebody owes you something and we're just trying to figure out what that something is, it can be beneficial because at least everybody's at the table. You haven't spent a boatload of money yet trying to get this thing through the court process. And at the end of the day, it's between you and the other party and you can potentially get it done. So and one of the things that we forgot to mention is one of the very important rules to all mediations, including pre-suit mediation, is that it's confidential. So anything you say in this mediation, you know, whether you agree to something, whether you say, I'll take $10,000, you're not held to that later. It's all confidential and can't be brought up in any future discussions or negotiations. Everybody actually signs a confidentiality agreement, the lawyers included, that they're not going to talk about what happens in this mediation. So that's one of the rules. One of the major benefits is if you can get a case settled at the very beginning in a pre-suit mediation, you save so much time and money because litigating litigating a case, as we'll talk about later, takes months and months and months and years and years sometimes to get to a final resolution. If you can settle it at pre-suit mediation, you're done. Right in the beginning of the case, you haven't spent a dollar on any experts. You haven't even had to file the court documents or have them served by a process server. So you really haven't spent any money, and it's obviously very early in the case. Before we get too much further down the road, let's stop and talk about what a mediator is, who it is, how you become a mediator, and what authority they have. You know, technically, anybody can be a mediator. Um, the reality is it's a neutral party that comes together. They represent no one, and their job is to kind of talk each party through the pros and cons of their particular case. For a practical, in practicality, most mediators are, if not lawyers, there's somebody that is versed in a particular area. For example, the good construction mediators 
are in fact people that understand construction law. The good, in our case, personal injury mediators are people that have, or lawyers that have litigated So usually cases. It's, it's lawyers that practiced in the area that they're now mediating cases in. Right. Those are the best kinds of mediators. Like Pete said, technically, you don't even have to be a lawyer, have any experience. You can pick you know, the homeless guy off the street to mediate your case if you want to in pre-suit mediation. It's not going to be beneficial, but there's no rule against that. If it's court-ordered mediation, a lot of times it's got to be certified by the court as a mediator, and those people are usually lawyers with the experience in that area of law so that you have the best chance to settle your case. Because if you're arguing at a mediation, which we'll get to, but if you're arguing about certain things in a mediation, like a jury's going to say this or a jury's going to do that, if you have a guy that did this for 30 years and now he's a mediator, he's going to be able to go to the other side and say, I've tried hundreds of these cases. This usually is what juries do or vice versa. That's not usually how juries are. You know, they can talk to us that way. They can talk to the other side that way. Those are the people that are best at mediation that can bring perspective to both sides. So who chooses the mediator? Um, Normally, the mediator is chosen by both parties at the same time. So what we'll normally do is you send a list of names of here, the people that I like. The other side will go, I don't like this guy. I don't like that guy. Or how about this gal? You know, can we use this person? You kind of agree to somebody. Right. It's usually an agreed to non-biased third party. So it's not the partner of the defense lawyer or the partner of the plaintiff's lawyer. It's got to be somebody that's neutral, doesn't have, isn't getting paid by either side. Um, and they come in to help mediate the process. What is their authority throughout a mediation? Are they like a judge or what, what is their authority? Zero. They have no authority to do anything. Um, a good mediator's job is to get you thinking about you know, the realities of your case um, and just kind of conveying offers and concepts back and forth between parties. A good mediator will uh, let you absorb, basically absorb your hate and anger and then go to the other room and not display any of that. So you try to keep emotions low. Yeah, one side starts out really ho- high, one start... One side starts out really high, one side starts out really low, and the mediator's job is to pull those two sides together. So, you know, they're just trying to make a resolution happen if one's there to make. They can't force either side to accept an offer. They can't make any offers. They can't say the court is going to do this. They don't have the authority of a judge. They don't have any authority really to do anything except talk to both sides. Both sometimes will tell a mediator, okay, we want 10,000, we'll take eight, but don't tell the other side that. So the mediator knows that. He can try to pull the other side up as much as he can, but he knows if the other side doesn't get to eight, then we're not going to settle the case, whatever it may be. So sometimes they know certain things that the other side doesn't know, but they really can't force either side to do anything. Okay, so now let's talk for a second about court-ordered mediation in the middle of litigation versus the pre-suit mediation, which we've already talked about that you can kind of do at any time and it's voluntary and nobody can force you into pre-suit mediation. Um Unless you're contractually obligated, like we talked about. Right. In the state of Florida, in order to get in front of a jury, you have to go through mediation. And the courts normally will not let you even put a case on the trial docket until you've mediated. A good mediation is normally at a time where both parties have had an opportunity to kind of evaluate each other's cases. Um, You know, the paperwork's already flung back and forth. You've had a chance to take sworn statements or call depositions. All that stuff happens. So when you get to mediation, it's literally your final chance before trial to try to get this thing resolved. Yes, you've taken the depositions of all the witnesses and the important people that are going to testify at trial. You've got the discovery. You've got the evidence that's going to come out in trial. So now's the point where you can kind of put on, you basically, how a mediation goes, which I guess we can start with this, is both sides get to do a presentation. So usually the plaintiff, the person that's suing, starts and they can show pictures of the accident. They can show how many medical bills they are. They can show 
you know, a doctor said they need this future surgery, you know, look at the bruises and the gashes all over this person, look at the crushed car from this car accident, and explain why their case is worth what it's worth. Then the other side gets up and says, well, you weren't wearing your seatbelt, or, you know, you really haven't had that much medical treatment, or whatever arguments, or you had these injuries before, they make those arguments, the mediator says, you know, I'm just here to try to help everybody, you know, settle the case, we split up into separate rooms. And the mediator goes back and forth from our room. We give them the offer, a million dollars. The other side gives them an offer of a hundred dollars. And the mediator's job is to then pull those two sides to the middle to see if they can get a settlement done. That's kind of how mediation goes. Sometimes the mediation can last an hour when you realize it just ain't close. It's not getting done. Let's just go home. Sometimes it can last, you know, three months. People can have mediations where they go back and forth on a big class action lawsuit or something like that. Most of ours last between one or two days or actually I would say one, between one hour and two days are the majority of mediations you can get them done, the ones that are going to get settled. So, you know, that that's kind of how the process of the mediation works. But the biggest difference between a court-ordered mediation in the middle of litigation versus a pre-suit mediation is usually you mediate that case one time and one time only, and if you don't settle at that point, you've got to hire your experts, spend tens of thousands of dollars, and actually get ready to try the case. And it's like, I, I don't know what the percentage is, like less than 1% of cases actually get to trial in Florida. So a lot of them settle at mediation. And there's also a statistic that says, if you settle the case at mediation, you save 60% of the cost of that case. So, you know, you could be litigating a case for two years. You go to mediation, you've only spent about 40% of what you're going to spend on the case in its entirety, and 60% of that cost is about to come after mediation. So that can be a real incentive to settle the case at mediation because you'll be able to settle it without having to pay all those costs, and if you settle it later, it's going to be much more difficult. You also have to understand the courts really like this concept of mediation because most people don't realize how backed up the court system is. Um and just you know, kind of talking to your to your stats, ninety-two to ninety-five percent of lawsuits that are filed never make trial. So understand that you know, Peter and I have tried a lot of cases together, and you kind of walk into a courthouse, and there's ten lawyers, and there are boxes of paperwork ready to go to trial that day. Only one of you guys are going to trial. It, it really is a huge backlog, and people like, don't don't. Recognize and a lot of times it. you settle during trial, and so going to trial doesn't even necessarily mean you go all the way through trial. Sure, that. But at the end of the day, ninety-two to ninety-five percent of what's filed never gets in front of a jury. I have some interesting stats that say about eighty percent of mediations settle successfully, meaning where they resolve their case, which is you know really a huge percentage. Yeah, and I'd say eighty percent is is even higher than what our firm internally settles at mediation. Um, a lot of times you have to maximize the case. You have to actually push to trial. You have to show them you're going to try the case. And just for whatever reason, it's probably a lower percentage. But a lot of cases do settle at mediation. That's the point because it does work. And one of the best parts about mediation is if you don't get it settled, you always have the fallback of now you can take it to court. You know what your risks are. Now you can continue to trial. It doesn't hurt you. You you go to mediation, you don't settle. It's not like you can never have another opportunity to settle. You can talk the next day after mediation's over and settle the next day. So there's no real negative to taking a case to mediation, especially when it's the court-ordered mediation in the middle of litigation. So now we'll transition a little bit into arbitration. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what the difference between arbitration is versus mediation? Yeah, arbitration is really more like a trial. Uh, mediation is more of a discussion. 
arbitration for the most part, and I don't want to get into the weeds of this thing, is by a panel of three arbiters. Normally what happens is one party picks one arbiter, another the other party picks the other arbiter, and between those two arbiters, they pick the third, and that is the panel. Normally when we're talking about arbitration, we're talking about binding arbitration, meaning that there is well, a... Well, let's talk about the difference. Okay. So there's, there's two kinds of arbitration. There's binding arbitration and non-binding arbitration. So when you're talking about binding arbitration, those three panelists are acting as judge and jury. You put on the case in front of them, you call witnesses, you put on evidence, and they, as a panel of three judges, make the case, I'm sorry, make the decision at the end of the case who won, how much money you get, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I'll tell you, I used to be very against arbitration. And I kind of... Well, before we get to that, real quick, I, I want to finish the difference between binding oh, and non-binding. You're right. So those three judges make the decision, and in binding arbitration, you are stuck with that decision. That's it. It's over. You can appeal or whatever you want to do, but you can't continue into litigation after that. You're stuck with that decision. So if they say you win, but you only get 100 bucks, you're stuck with that 100 bucks. That's different from non-binding arbitration where you can actually go put on your trial. They make a decision, say you win, but it's only a hundred bucks, but you're not bound to that. You can still go back into the court system and try the case in front of a jury unless you guys agree to accept the arbiter's decision. And you'll see a lot of non-binding arbitration, again, in like construction and or manufacturers that people that do business with each other on a regular basis and they have a dispute. They just want to get in front of somebody so we can get it resolved. Right. And so to, to pull a specific arbitration agreement from a contract, and this is from one of the nursing home cases, it says voluntary agreement to arbitrate disputes. The parties agree that they will mutually benefit from the speedy and efficient re resolution of any dispute or controversy which may arise between them. This is a voluntary agreement to have all disputes resolved through binding arbitration by an independent neutral arbiter who will be selected by the parties as specified in this agreement. The parties agree that they are waiving the right to trial by jury. Any disputes between the parties will be resolved exclusively through binding arbitration. And this, this uh, contract actually goes through that they're going to use the Federal Arbitration Act to govern the law and the rules of their arbitration. It, there's paragraphs that talk about an arbitration demand and how you're supposed to do it, how you're going to accept the, uh, select the arbiter, um, what the arbiter's authority is, and what happens if you refuse to participate. In the event that any party refuses to respond to a demand or participation of arbitration, the party making the demand may proceed with arbitration and obtain an award or a default against the non-participating party. So you're basically forced into using this process of arbitration if you sign an agreement like this. And this is actually one you have to sign or you can't be uh, a resident in this nursing home. So they push this stuff on you um, if you're going into a nursing home. And let's talk about, Pete, I guess right now you want to kind of get into the pros and cons of arbitration and what you like and don't like about yeah. it. Yeah. Before we get into that, I just want to say there are a, a number of organizations that actually do arbitrations. Like you said, there's the Federal Arbitration Act, which actually talks about you know how cases should be arbitrated in federal court. There are arbitration organizations like the American Arbitration Association that have their own rules. So there's a lot of ways these things can happen. But at the end of the day, what I was getting at before is I used to not like arbitration because I always felt like taking the case out of the hands of a jury kind of, you know, took me you know, kind of tied one hand behind my back. But the reality is there's value in putting three professionals that do whatever it is you're doing for a living in a room and, and actually selling them or pitching 
uh, your claim uh, because they understand it as opposed to the six people who basically can fog up a mirror and have a driver's license in the state of Florida. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can go back and forth on it, but I really think it depends on the case because there are certain cases that are just much better for us as plaintiff's attorneys to put in front of, of juries because sometimes you want a case to be decided by a jury of your client's peers because they're the ones that understand what your client's going through. They understand what it's like to have to miss work or to have this surgery or do all this stuff after a car accident, for example, or they have grandma that's got hurt in a nursing home. They've had to take care of somebody that's really been hurting in a nursing home. They know what all that takes as opposed to lawyers that have litigated nursing home cases or that know how nursing home, nursing home works. Sometimes the heartstrings and the bigger verdicts just don't come from arbiters because they don't have that same sympathy for your client. They think more like you do or we do as a lawyer versus how our client thinks. And it's our client's case, not our case. So that's why I think jury trials are very important in, in most circumstances. Sure, and, and we're not saying jury trials go away, but in cer- I've had in certain circumstances in arbitration specifically where there is a, a technicality. And a jury may not appreciate that technicality, but somebody that's done this for 20 years realizes, crap, what they did was technically wrong, and this is the reason of all of these sure. damages. Yeah, sometimes it can be, it can be better, but... Uh, the best thing about arbitration, in my opinion, um, which is similar to mediation, but we'll say the arbitration where you actually take it the full boat, you go to trial, you put on your case, is it is just so much faster and easier and cheaper than a litigation. Um, on average, the U.S. district court cases take more than 12 months longer to get to trial than cases that are adjudicated by arbitration. The average in the U.S. district courts is 24.2 months. So that's over two years to get a case to trial versus 11.6 months to get the cases through arbitration. So that's less than half the time to get your case heard. And those stats you just gave are uh, in the federal courts, which are notoriously fast. Much faster than the state courts. courts. And and in, in taking it a step further, when you talk about cases that go to appeal, so after the case is heard and done, 33.6 months versus that 11.6 months to come to final resolution. That's a third of the time to go through arbitration. And then we also talk about the money that it saves. So the direct costs associated with additional time to try cases in the district courts versus the AAA arbitration were approximately $180 million per month less. So it's $180 million in the United States federal system that's spent on this civil litigation that is more than what's spent if you arbitrate a case. It's just so much quicker and easier and cheaper because they have rules, they have deadlines, you have to push the case, you can't sit on the case. We tell our clients that that cases on average last between 6 and 18 months. That's very aggressive because we are always pushing cases, we want them to go fast. 99% of clients think a case takes too long no matter how long it takes. Everybody thinks their case takes too long, but the national average is even way more than that. Right, and when you take into consideration, for example, we talked about how long things are in state court. We um, we have to ask for trial dates after mediations are concluded, and it is rare that I can even get on a trial calendar w- uh, within a year from when that mediation ended. Yeah, it takes forever to just get on any calendars for any hearings, for anything you want, you want to do in a case, and that's not the case with arbitrations because these arbiters aren't necessarily smashed with uh, cases and trials like judges do. We've had cases where we've shown up for trial, we thought we were going to go that day, but so did eight other lawyers, and there's only four judges. So they can only take four trials that day for that week, and so we're sitting here with three other lawyers saying we've waited two years for this trial and now we got pushed six more months and we might not even get to try it on that case. 
And when you show up for trial, you're picked by how old your case is. That's how bad the system is because there's all these old cases. Some are four years old, five years old, six years old. The oldest case usually takes precedent from the younger cases, which is why if you can go to mediation or arbitration and get your case settled, you don't have to deal with a lot of that misery of trying to get your trial date. And to me, the best part about a mediation for our clients is you end the mediation. If you're able to resolve it, you have finality. You know exactly what you're going to get from this case. You know you're not going to have to pay the rest of those medical bills. You know you're not going to have to pay attorney's fees and costs if you lose. You know you're not going to have to go through the stress of a week-long trial. You know the case is done and you know what you got. The risk is gone. Because there's nothing riskier in the United States than putting your case in front of a jury, like Pete said, six people that have a ID, basically, and you can they can be a jury on your case. They can be totally opposite of you, they cannot agree with you on any important things, and they can still sit as a juror in your case. We've done a whole jury selection podcast, so if you want to listen to it, you can refer back to that for how crazy the system is, and you never know what you're going to get, and people can lie to you when you're in jury selection. That is a huge risk that you're totally eliminating if you settle a case at mediation, if they give you an offer that you think is fair. So I'm obviously very in favor of mediation. I'm not as in favor of arbitration. I like the court system, even though it is a little bit slower. I wish it was faster. I think it provides a more fair system, especially in the types of cases that we do. Yeah. And from my perspective, not that I want to give up mediation. I've done a few arbitrations and, you know, at the end of the day, the more you do, I think the more you get used to them and you recognize that, you know, especially in disputes that don't involve pain and suffering, uh, you know, there's a lot of value to having somebody that knows what's going on up on that panel that one of them you've picked. So hopefully this answered all of your questions on mediation and arbitration. You understand what alternative dispute resolution is now. If you guys have any other questions, we're happy to answer them on the podcast. Just keep them coming in. You can find us on social media or send me an email, Peter Tragos at greeklaw.com. <laughs>